Fair Diversity Conversations Series. Xander Keg on diversity of opinion within the so-called trans community. And Big Tech's version of a social credit system. Welcome to Fair News Weekly. To read all of the articles discussed in this podcast, please visit this podcast's episode description. In fall of 2021, the Emory Free Speech Forum, EFSF, came to fair for help after Emory University Law School's Student Bar Association denied their application for chartered status. Our legal team worked together with Fair Legal Network attorney Lee Parks to take the case, and we are excited to announce that last week the EFSF was finally granted chartered status. For their inaugural event Tuesday evening, the EFSF hosted Nadine Strassen, former president of the ACLU, for a discussion called Agreeing to Disagree, the Value of Free Expression in a Legal Education. FAIR advocates for the liberties and civil rights of all Americans, and law students are no exception. We agree with Ms. Strassen. Free expression is paramount in all types of education, and FAIR is proud to have supported the student leaders and members of the EFSF in standing up for their rights. Follow the Emory Free Speech Forum on Twitter at Emory Free Speech. We want our FAIR Substack to be the go-to publication for people interested in sharing and reading diverse perspectives on culture and civil rights. Whether you're a seasoned author or an amateur writer with a story that can contribute to our mission of promoting fairness, understanding, and humanity, we would love to receive your stories, opinions, investigations, reviews, interviews, and more. Please submit your piece to submissions at fairforall.org. Submission guidelines in the link below. We hope to hear from you. This week, we released a video featuring Indona Mobayayi, who describes her experience running for a school board and the intolerance she encountered for questioning why certain things were being taught. Specifically, she was concerned that students were receiving a very biased education about genocide and received pushback when she attempted to address it. Indona explains that she taught her children that anyone can do evil acts and that the envelope doesn't mean anything. It's what's on the inside that matters. When history is taught, she says, it must be a balance of the bad and the good. How did we get to where we are today in spite of certain hardships? And if things are still bad, how do we turn it around? We can't continue to dwell on the negative aspects of history. Throughout April and May, FAIR advisor Dr. Peter Bogosian will be visiting universities throughout the United States, but instead of being in front of the students and lecturing, he will be in the audience listening and asking questions about student experiences with critical social justice. Bogosian and students will delve into questions like, what role does social justice play in your education and what role do you want it to play? Do you feel you can say what you believe in your classrooms? What opinions can be voiced? Do your professors have an ideological agenda? What is that agenda? What happens when you question it? Link in the description for more information on locations and dates. Every Tuesday, the first four Tuesdays of the month, from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern, FAIR advisor Xander Keg will be hosting a series of free wellness webinars for FAIR members. More info in the description below. The FAIR Diversity Conversation Series is now open to the public. These events are typically held on the first Monday of each month. 
In this webinar series, FAIR diversity panelists discuss how to apply the fundamental principles of inclusive and civil dialogue to everyday social interactions. We use the pro-human approach to navigate challenging conversations in healthcare, education, corporate, nonprofit sectors, and more. Our upcoming webinar topic, What Does Compassionate Opposition Look Like? More info in the description below. On April 14th at 8 p.m. CST, Fair and Medicine will be hosting an open house event for medical professionals interested in learning about and contributing to Fair's mission to promote a common medical culture based on critical thinking and the pursuit of excellence in all medical endeavors. For our Substack, Fair advisor Xander Keg wrote a piece about the diversity of opinion within the so-called trans community and the harm done by activists with large platforms who try to silence those with differing views. Keg, who is a transsexual man, is working with Fair to advance a pro-human response to gender diversity and wants to help promote a path for advancing transgender acceptance and rights that don't involve disregarding our scientific understanding of sex, as some activists often propose. For the New York Times, Fair advisor John McWhorter wrote about the emergence of the term BIPOC, which stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, and the difficulty the term has encountered in being adopted by the very group it refers to, much like the term Latinx. McWhorter states, BIPOC sounds like one in a bunch of names thrown out amid a brainstorming session, but never taken seriously, passed over in favor of something better that came later. McWhorter believes the reason BIPOC has been running out of steam is because it did not emerge organically from inside the group, like when Reverend Jesse Jackson promoted the term African-American. Instead, the term was imposed from the outside by academics, who have an affinity for specialized jargon that's not shared by the general public. On her substack, Common Sense, Fair advisor Barry Weiss interviewed entrepreneur and investor David Sachs on protecting civil liberties in the digital public square. According to Sachs, Big tech has slowly constructed a sort of social credit system where people's ability to participate in online platforms is diminished or curtailed entirely because they don't express the correct opinions. Sachs states, Back in the day when we were creating PayPal, in the early 2000s and late 90s, there was really a sense that technology and the internet would expand people's ability to engage in speech and commerce. And for the first two decades of the internet, it really did. But for the last half dozen years or so, we've really been restricting that access and trying to curtail it. Sachs believes the shift from social media platforms promoting free speech to actively restricting it began in 2016 with the election of Donald Trump. Many in Silicon Valley were not happy with this outcome and saw social media as being directly responsible for creating too much populism that allowed Trump to win. For The Daily Beast, Comey T. German and Greg Lukianov wrote about why, even though the phrase cancel culture has been overused and abused, we should continue to use it because it describes an undeniably real problem that is getting worse. Just because the term has been grossly overused doesn't mean we should give up on its popularly understood definition, which aptly describes a real and growing problem. This is the measurable uptick since around 2014 of campaigns to get people fired, disinvited, deplatformed, or otherwise punished for speech that is, or would be, protected by the First Amendment standards. 
That's cancel culture. In their article, German and Lukianov go through data from recent surveys, such as those conducted or commissioned by FIRE, Harvard Caps Harris, Yahoo News slash YouGov, or even the UK-based Legatum Institute, which all found high degrees of reported self-censorship. It would be an error, according to the authors, to abandon the usefulness of the term cancel culture out of a vain attempt to please the people most responsible for perpetuating the problem. For The Washington Post, Erwin Chemerensky, the dean of Berkeley Law, and Howard Gilman, the chancellor of UC Irvine, wrote about two recent incidents at law schools where students attempted to shut down events for invited speakers, claiming their actions fell under the constitutional protection of freedom of speech. But Chemerensky and Gilman say that such belief is wrong in terms of both the law and appropriate campus policy. The authors state that, It is profoundly disturbing that some students assert a right to determine what messages are acceptable on a campus and try to deprive others within the community of their right to invite or listen to speakers of their choice. If such a heckler's veto is allowed, the only speech that occurs will be that which no one cares enough about to shout down. For free black thought, screenwriter and humanist Gesha Marie Bland wrote about how Generation X taught her to be a free speech absolutist. According to Bland, a paradigm shift has been in the making, yet many people, until recently, simply hadn't been paying attention. Part of the paradigm shift Bland has been noticing is the rebranding of censorship as curation and the increasingly common practice of putting free speech in scare quotes to signify the irony of such a notion as if the principles of the First Amendment were only so-called, on par with phenomena worthy of conspiracy theories. Bland says, I can't reconcile the expectation that free speech only works and is permissible when anodyne and genteel, the equivalent of a church social where like-minded attendees bite their tongues and exchange pleasantries over cake and ice cream. For Tablet, Richard Sander and Abraham Weiner wrote about the research being used to justify California's recent measure requiring all students in California public high schools to take an ethnic studies course in order to graduate. The research purported to show that ethnic studies courses boost student achievement and raise student GPA by an astounding 1.4 points on average. However, according to Sander and Weiner, the experiment on which these conclusions are based is so muddled and the data reported is so ambiguous that, in fact, they support no conclusion, either positive or negative, about the effects of this particular ethnic studies course in these particular schools and times. Finally, if you liked this podcast, subscribe, share it with a friend, and leave us a rating and review. Make sure to check out our newsletter and weekly roundup to read more into any of this week's stories or visit the episode description. Donations are always welcome at fairforall.org donate.